Today's podcast comes from our online service on Sunday the 9th of May and I just want to give everyone a warm welcome and especially those listening by telephone today and I just have a wee announcement to make before we get started. Uh, Next Sunday will be a service in Mount Cook at half past 10 and also at East End Church at quarter past 12 in their new building at 49 Belleville Street which is just off Serpentine Walk. Um, If you would like to go to either of those services, if you just give me a wee call uh, here at the Mans on 722-338. So that's 722-338 and I'll be able to book you in. Unfortunately, places are limited for both of those services uh, due to the current restrictions. Uh, But we are hoping that worship will be able to resume uh, more regularly and from next Sunday onwards, hopefully on a weekly basis, we're going to see how it goes and take it from there. And um, But I'm aware that not everyone will feel comfortable coming to church yet and uh, we understand that, there's no judgement in that. But if you would like to come, uh, I would encourage uh, folks to uh, try and get back to church if you can. Uh, it would be lovely to see you uh, all there. But we will still have uh, an online service and a telephone service. Uh, we'll still continue for the time being. Um, it might be a wee bit cut down from you know what we've had up until recently, but we'll still have a maybe a, a hymn or two and a prayer and the, the message recorded from the Sunday service as well. Okay, I think we're, after all those notices, I think we're ready to, to begin our time of worship. So wherever you are, wherever you're watching and listening, those listening by telephone uh, as well, And we just take this time to worship God, to bring our thoughts, to bring our prayers, to bring our needs to God, and to to glorify God and direct our attention to him. Uh, You know, this time it's not primarily about us being able to sing together. Um, It's not primarily about how, how we feel, but it's about God. Our focus is on God, to glorify him, to worship him, to listen to his word, to allow God to speak into our lives as well. So wherever you are, we're just going to pray and then we're going to sing uh, together as well. So let's pray. Lord, we just commit this time to you today as we gather across this town for those listening in from the nations around. Lord, we still our hearts. We set aside the cares of today and we lay them at your feet. Lord, you understand and you know all the things that trouble us, all the things that concern us, all the things that can weigh us down at times. And we come and lay them at your feet. And we turn our gaze, we turn our focus upon you. To spend this time in worship, in prayer, in reading and hearing your word. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit powerfully upon us today. That each person watching and listening would have a real and genuine and powerful experience of you in their lives today. Whatever their circumstance, whatever situations they're facing, that they would just know that you are speaking 
into their lives today. Lord, we ask that you would encourage us, that we would be challenged by your word, that we would be drawn closer to you in our time of worship, that you would fill our hearts with joy and peace and hope, hope for today and for the future. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon our church families of the Mount Kirk and Greenock East End and for those watching from other congregations as well. We just ask your blessing upon your people. Lord, for those that are unwell at the moment, Lord, give them strength, give them healing in their bodies. Lord, for those who are feeling discouraged, that you would give them hope that they would be lifted up. Lord, for those feeling alone and separated from family and friends, Lord, may they know your presence with them right now. Lord, for those that are having doubts, Lord, fill their hearts with faith as we sing your praises today and as we hear your word. And so, Lord, as your family, we pray for one another. And Lord, today we remember Clementine in our prayers, that you would just guide the surgeon's hand and that you would just bring complete healing um, to the wounds that she has on her face and nose. Lord, bring your healing uh, to Clementine. Bless uh, that family as well. And as we pray, we pray the church family prayer as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to spend some time uh, singing together. And uh, we're going to worship wherever you're watching. Feel free to sing along. So we're going to sing, uh, first of all, How Great Thou Art. And the readings today have split into two parts. It's a, it's a longer reading that we, than we've normally had. Um, so I put it into two parts today. I'll read the first part uh, after we've sung this hymn, and then I'll do the other part uh, later on. So How Great Thou Art.
Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Forest glades I wander And hear the birds Sing sweetly in the trees When I look down From lofty mountain grandeur And see the blue And feel the gentle then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, oh, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away. Sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Okay, uh, there's one other wee thing I had meant to mention earlier on just before we come to read from the Bible was that this coming week um, I'm going to open up the new building at the East End uh, for organised visits on Wednesday between 2 and 4pm and Thursday between 10 and 12pm. Uh, it would be really helpful if you could let me know if you're coming uh, for a visit and it would be helpful if you could uh, book a wee slot for that, or either on the hour or on the half hour. Uh, so there's half hour slots between uh, those uh, times, between 2 and 4 on Wednesday and then Thursday 10 till 12. Um, the reason I decided to do this is that on the Sunday, because we have a one-way system set up uh, in the building, it's not possible to give people guided tours and show you around on Sunday. 
Uh, unfortunately, it would be far better to do that uh, during the week where it's maybe just a handful of people uh, just to keep it safe. But if you would like to pop down and have a wee tour and look around, uh, by all means, just give me a wee phone uh, and we can get that sorted. I'll be there uh, anyway. Okay, if you have a Bible handy, I'm going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 14. Uh, those who were listening in last week, you remember we were started looking at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first given to the early Christians after Jesus had risen from the dead and that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them. And that's what they did. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the 150 believers who were there waiting and praying. They began speaking in other languages and other tongues. And the people who were there for the great Pentecost festival at the temple in Jerusalem, they heard the people speaking. And um, I meant to say last week that it talks about them being in the house. And yet all these people from all over the world who were there for the festival heard them speaking in the languages that they understood. And it's often a question arises in people, but if they were in a, some tiny wee house, how did everyone hear them? Um, it's my view that what Luke is talking about here is that the temple in Jerusalem was often referred to as the house or the house of God. Jesus refers to it as the house of God in the Gospels. And it makes perfect sense that on the day of Pentecost, the believers were gathered somewhere in the temple vicinity, and that as they were praying and worshipping God, they began speaking in other tongues, and people heard them. You know, the other possibility is that they started in a house and then went to the temple, and that's why all these people who were there anyway would have heard them. But anyway, I'm going to read from verse 14, where Peter starts to speak to this crowd, uh, because people are saying, well, these men, they're behaving so strangely. if they've been drinking? Are they drunk? And so Peter wants to address this question and he starts to speak to the crowd in verse 14. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
And David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Amen. So we're going to continue uh, worshipping. We're going to sing another hymn uh, together. Thine be the glory.
Okay, if you have still have your Bibles uh, with you, if you're reading along with me at home, I'm continuing to read from Acts chapter 2, and I'm picking up at verse 29. Where Peter says, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. But God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool. For your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would bless this reading of your Holy Word. Lord, help us to hear your Word in the Scriptures, to hear your voice, to set aside all other influences and voices, just to hear the voice of your Spirit speaking to us. Lord, help us to understand with our minds. And help us to be open with our hearts to what you have to say to us. To respond in the same way as those who heard Peter's words that day. What must we now do? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, well, today's message, I'm following on from last week. If you perhaps uh, didn't hear the message last week, I'd said that over the next few weeks or so, I'm going to be looking through the book of Acts. And we're going to be uh, not reading the whole book, but looking at different points and highlights in the book of Acts, which is the follow-on from the Gospel of Luke, written by the same person. And so today we're looking at this sermon of the Apostle Peter as he responds to what people are saying. They think they're drunk because they're speaking in other tongues uh, and they wonder what on earth is going on. You know, sometimes, you know, things can be going on in our lives at times or God can be doing something in our lives and we're not always fully aware of what is really happening behind the scenes and under the surface. God can be doing so many things 
that are invisible to us, that we cannot see and cannot know. And yet God is not silent. God is not resting. God is busy at work, whether we're aware of it or not. And I think sometimes it's down to our perception, our understanding. You know, none of us are ever going to, we're not going to understand the mind of God. But from the little that we can see and understand, sometimes it can leave us confused. You know, like these people who experienced what was happening on the day of Pentecost. They saw these men and women speaking in tongues and wondering what was going on. I'm going to show a picture up on the screen just now. And it's a famous painting. It's a famous picture. and But it's zoomed right in, so you're actually only going to see part of it. And I want to see if anybody can guess what the picture might be. Let's see how good you are at this. Anybody get any ideas? I think because there's a little delay on the video, it might take a while for, for folks to come up with answers to this. So all we have is a nose, we've got the top of a mouth, and we've got some eyes maybe at the top as well. Does anybody get any ideas what it might be? We've got three Mona Lisas. Maybe I made this too easy. <laughs> I'll zoom into the full picture and I'll let you see. Okay, you were all absolutely right. It was the Mona Lisa. And probably because we're f familiar with that painting, you were able to figure that out uh, just from the, the famous nose and mouth as well. Sometimes when we only see part of the picture, it's difficult for us to really understand what's going on. And I think that's what was going on for the people in Jerusalem that day. They were looking at what was going on around them and didn't fully understand that this was the Holy Spirit that was being poured out on the disciples that day. They didn't understand what Jesus had promised and had said to them previously. So Peter begins to explain to them what this is. And I was going to break it down into four different parts um, where we see the way that Peter responds uh, to what the people are saying. First of all, he says, look, these men are not drunk. That this is the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus had told them that if they waited in Jerusalem, he would send the Holy Spirit upon them. And in each of these responses that Peter gives, he goes back to the Old Testament, which was the, the only Bible that they had then. That was the Bible that they, they knew. And so he goes back to the Old Testament, to the prophet Joel, where it says that the Holy Spirit would be poured out in the last days. And I'll bring the verse up on the screen so you can see it. Acts 2, 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And if you notice that when they are speaking in other tongues, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, they are proclaiming the gospel. They're proclaiming God's message. The word prophesy 
uh, simply means to proclaim God's message. And that's what they were literally doing. And so Peter is trying to explain from the Old Testament what has happened. That this is all part of God's bigger plan. That the people watching that day, they, they didn't quite understand that. So Peter says, this is what Jesus promised. This is what the scriptures promised was going to happen. And this is what you see right before your eyes. And then Peter takes them to another promise. He talks about the promised Messiah. Now, the majority of the people who were gathered that day were Jews. We're told that there were some people there who were Gentiles but had converted to Judaism. They're there from all the known world, all over the Roman Empire that day. And we can see that in the place names of where they all came from. And the Jews had been waiting for their Messiah for hundreds of years. And this goes right back to the very beginning of their story. Even in Genesis, in the creation story in the Garden of Eden, there are hints there that point us towards the coming of Christ, the Messiah. In the story of Moses in the Exodus, that story is also looking ahead to someone like Moses who is going to rescue his people, not from slavery, but from their sins. And then through all the prophets, and King David in particular, in the Psalms, talks about someone like him, one of his descendants in his family line, who is going to be the Messiah, God's anointed king. And not only a king, but actually God himself coming to earth in human flesh, who would come as king. But part of his role would be to take away the sins of his people. And so Peter draws people towards what the scripture said about the coming of Christ. He talks about what David had to say about him as well. And he reminds them of this in these words as well. He says, Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. In other words, none of this was a surprise to God. It was all part of his greater plan. And he says, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So the fact that this was part of God's plan doesn't mean that any of these people involved in Jesus' crucifixion weren't guilty of what they did. They were guilty of what they did. But yet, somehow beyond our limited human understanding, this was all part of God's purpose and plan. It was all part of his promise. And I think for the people listening that day, if they hadn't really been paying attention with the first thing that Peter said, explaining that these people aren't drunk, it was only a few weeks ago that the people in Jerusalem had witnessed Jesus being nailed to a cross. It's only a few weeks before that many of them were in that crowd, before Pontius Pilate, when Pilate had Barabbas, a robber, and Jesus on the other side, and saying, who do you want me to crucify? Who do you want me to save? They shouted for Barabbas to be saved and they shouted for Jesus to be crucified. 
Maybe some of those same people were in that crowd that day at the temple in Jerusalem. Maybe now they're beginning to think, I wonder, I wonder if he really was the Messiah. Peter goes on to say that the scriptures also promised that the Messiah was going to rise again from death, that the grave wouldn't be able to hold him. And there are perhaps people listening that day that were eyewitnesses to Jesus being raised from the dead. In the gospel accounts that we often read at Easter, there's only a small number of people's names that are mentioned there who were witnesses of Jesus rising from the dead. The 12 or the 11 apostles as they were at that point, the women who followed Jesus, Mary Magdalene, his mother, they also are risen from the dead. Later on in one of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that a crowd of 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead in the flesh at the same time. 500 people, is that's a pretty big crowd. And they all saw Jesus. It wasn't a hallucination. They all had the same experience. And so here in Jerusalem, you've not just got 12 witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus You've not not just got Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother and the rest of his family. But you also have the 500 and you have those that we, we don't know their names who saw Jesus risen from the dead in those days after Easter Sunday. And this has a huge impact on the city of Jerusalem. Some historians reckon that by... 40 to 50 AD, two-thirds of the population of Jerusalem had become followers of Jesus. And this is a city which is the heart of Judaism. It's a, a city where only a few weeks or years before, the crowd had been baying for Jesus' blood. It was a city that was so hostile to Jesus to then for two-thirds of the city to become followers of Jesus and believe that he had risen from the dead is a huge testimony. And it's the only explanation for why this incredible message made it beyond this small corner of the world. These people really believed that they had seen Jesus and talked to him and heard him talk to them and it changed their life forever. And perhaps for some listening today, the parts of the gospel message that you've understood or begun to understand, the parts of God's working in your life that you you can kind of, you're beginning to understand what's going on, but there's still so much that leaves you with questions, that leaves you with doubts, that leaves you wondering what the big story really is. Is God real? Is is this story really true? And I think the people that were there on the day of Pentecost were probably asking the same kind of questions. But as Peter starts to speak to them, it's like the, the bigger picture is being opened up to them. 
that this man Jesus that maybe they'd heard preaching in the streets a few weeks before was actually the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he is God in human flesh, nailed to the cross and raised from the dead. And Peter also says that he has been exalted to heaven, that he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, and that one day he will return. And because Jesus went to the Father, he sent the Spirit. So Peter then explains that Jesus and the Father sent the Spirit upon the believers, and that is what they are seeing that day. Well, when they hear this, their responses were told that they're cut to the heart. This message that Peter preaches that day cuts them right to the heart. And this is what they say in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, when the Holy Spirit moves in great power, there is no doubt about it. The Holy Spirit does not use manipulation. And in the church, we should not use manipulation to try and get people to believe. Yes, we're called to persuade people with the scriptures, to show people the scriptures, what Jesus said, what Jesus did. But we're not into manipulation because that actually doesn't do anything genuine in a person's life at all. Only the Holy Spirit can truly bring someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ and to make Jesus real to them. And these men, these people listening that day, said, what must we do to be saved? And in every great move of the Holy Spirit in history, that has been the response People can't wait to get to church. They can't wait to hear God's word. They can't wait to worship God. And it doesn't mean that people are made perfect. You know, we're all sinners. I know many people can have doubts. Am, am I really a Christian? Is the Holy Spirit really at work in my life? But when you have a desire to want God, when you have a conscience that you know deep in your heart when you have sinned against God and you're deeply sorrowful and you have a desire to return to God, then that is the Holy Spirit at work. And that's what happened this day. What must we do? And then Peter gives them this answer in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And there he picks up that message from the Old Testament that he used earlier in his message. For all whom the Lord our God Will call. And when he says this promise, this promise is the promise of God's forgiveness through Jesus and the promise of the Holy Spirit 
for every believer. It's for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, not necessarily meaning in distance, although that is true, but what Peter has in mind here is those who literally haven't yet been born. The next generation and the generation after that. And so God's salvation is not just for individuals, it's for families. It's for children and grandchildren. And if you're a parent listening today, or a grandparent, or an auntie or uncle, this message is for our families as well. It's not just for us as individuals, that God has given our promises of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's no guarantees that our families will come to know Jesus. But Peter specifically says that the promise is for them also. And families are important to God. And God does hear our prayers. And as I was talking earlier about the Thy Kingdom Come, the prayer initiative over Pentecost, I'd encourage you to pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for your grandchildren that haven't been born yet. Pray for the generations that are to come after us as well, that they might come to know Jesus. And maybe some listening today Maybe that message of Peter to repent, to turn away from sin and to turn to God. Perhaps that's something that you have never done before. I'd encourage you to do it today. Don't put it off. When this service is over, get on your knees or find a quiet place to sit and just ask God to make himself real to you. To give you the gift of faith. Say sorry to God for your sins and ask him to forgive you. And he will come into your life and fill you with his grace and his truth and his power and peace. This message is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, those who are yet to be born, for all the nations of the world. It's not just for some. It's for everyone. This promise, this amazing promise that God has given to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. The wonderful promise of salvation through Jesus, your Son, our Messiah and our King. The wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us and fills us with your power and gives us gifts to glorify you and build up your church. But the Spirit who also convicts us of sin and continually calls us to return to you. Lord, we thank you for this promise, which is not just for us, but for all generations and all who will follow after us. And in the time that we live in, Lord, give us the courage and boldness to share this message with others. 
Help us to be committed to pray for others, for our families, for our friends, for those around us, that they also might come to know this Jesus, this risen Jesus who is alive and is in heaven and will one day return here in his glory and with his angels. Lord, I pray for anyone listening today who perhaps has never taken this step of faith towards you before. Lord, give them courage today. Give them courage to take that step to salvation through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit and everlasting life from this day forward. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come to the end of our time of worship today and I just want to thank you all for uh, joining with us and uh, if you remember next Sunday we, we don't have a live online service at 12 but Mount Kirk at half 10 East End Church at quarter past 12 and uh, you know how to book for those and uh, there will be a wee evening service at half six later on for anybody that can't make those services and be lovely to see some of you join us then as well so I'm just going to ask God's blessing and let you go and get your, your lunch and enjoy your afternoon. So now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Amen. So take care, everyone, and see you soon. And if you want to join us on Zoom, uh, give me five minutes to grab a coffee and I'll see you there. Take care. Bye bye now. <laughs>